Today's episode is brought to you by the She Leads Podcast Network, the first network for women by women. Visit SheLeadsPodcast.com to learn more today. Welcome to the Creative Visionaries Podcast. My name is Tori Barker, a digital marketing specialist, business owner, mom, and you guessed it, a creative visionary. This podcast is about inspiring business owners, building connections, sharing success stories, and motivating others. Join me on this journey as we tap into your true potential and unleash your inner visionary. Hey there, podcasters. Are you looking to take your show to the next level? Let me introduce you to Podtask, the innovative platform that simplifies the podcasting process and equips you with the tools you need to succeed. With Podtask, you can say goodbye to the headache of managing multiple tasks and deadlines. This app provides a comprehensive systemization and task management platform that helps you streamline the podcasting process. And it doesn't just stop there. Podtask also offers AI-based marketing tools to give your podcast a competitive edge. As a fellow podcaster, I know from experience how important it is to have a reliable and efficient tool like Podtask to keep you on track. It helped me save so much time in post-production, which allows me to focus on what really matters, creating great content for my listeners. So if you want to take your podcast to the next level, be sure to check out Podtask. As a special offer to my listeners, you can sign up today and get started with their free forever plan by visiting creativevisionariespodcast.com forward slash podtask. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us again on the Creative Visionaries podcast. Today, I am super excited. I have a phenomenal guest, somebody who I have been looking forward to having on my show for a long time now. Uh, today's guest is Mickey Anderson, and Mickey is a strategist, a consultant, a speaker. She's the host of the Hustle Less, Profit More podcast, and famously known as the Marketing Closer. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Tori. Insert applause here, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about who you are and the journey that brought you to where you are today. Yeah. So I specialize in conversion optimization, retention, and referrals. So basically the opposite of 99% of marketers out there. Most people focus on leads and engagement and new people. I'm like, no, let's take the people you have. Let's sell to more of them. Let's keep them longer and get them to bring all their friends and family to buy from you as well. So it's, it's that back half of what we call the customer journey that I really focus on. And it's a lot of fun. It's definitely a more customer-oriented, psychology-based style of marketing. Yeah. And uh, I think it's necessary for most businesses to scale, yeah. right? Getting new leads just isn't sustainable all the time. Yes, we need new leads, but we also need to keep them. And we need to keep increasing that average customer lifetime value, right? And if we can do that, you really have a much bigger, broader range to scale your business with. So I have a lot of fun. I work with mostly service providers, professional service providers, but I've worked with enterprises, Fortune 500. I've worked with associations, small and medium-sized businesses as well. So it's, uh, it's kept me on my toes for a long time. <laughs> and you haven't always had this as your kind of structure, right? So tell us, you know, when, what was your aha moment that uh, led you to this, this form of marketing? I like to think of it like 
less of an aha moment and more like a lot of slaps to the cheek <laughs> over my life. I call them um, fry pan moments, right? <laughs> yes. I've had quite a few of those and they've, I never growing up and, and through, even through college and after college, I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life, but I knew I loved working with people. And there were certain things that I was really good at. Communications was one of them. And at first I thought I was going to become a lawyer in university. I studied international affairs, political science. Like that was the path carved out for me. And then I realized that I had no desire. I was a paralegal in criminal law for a very short stint and immediately knew I was not in the right place. You're too fun for that job. (laughs) I love negotiating. I love being in important situations with people and dealing with personalities. Like that was really fun for me. The paperwork, not so much. (laughs) I don't have that kind of attention to detail type brain. And it took a while to find myself. I went to school for counseling psychology after that and realized while I was in school, okay, I'm definitely not going to be a therapist or a psychologist, but I love this understanding the way people work and why they take certain actions and don't take other actions. Yeah. And I started to connect the dots while I was in school that, wait a second, in every job and every career and every time of my life across the board, the one thing that I loved most that I was the best at was the marketing aspect. It was the sales and conversions and, you know, communications and all those pieces. And so I finally decided, okay, I'm going to take a leap and I'm going to start an agency. Well, (laughs) once again, I had another frying pan moment and I grew an agency and on the books, it was really successful, but in my personal life, it was not so much. I'm a, I'm a mom, I'm a military wife and our life, our lifestyle is pretty crazy. There's constant changes. My husband deploys at the drop of a hat all the time. And I really needed a ton of flexibility and running a large agency does not funny story afford you a lot of flexibility or freedom. (laughs) At least it didn't for me. And I realized that I was constantly chasing other people's versions of success of what everyone else told me success was and decided, okay, I'm getting old. I got to figure this out for myself. And I closed down my agency over a while and moved myself into as a solo consultant. And now that is how I operate. And I adore it. It was one of the best decisions I've ever made. And here I am today. I love that you said you followed what other people would tell you was success or that you would perceive as success. And I think that's something that a lot of entrepreneurs do, especially when they're starting out because they don't know exactly what direction to go. So it's like, let's emulate somebody who is successful. And then you get in the weeds of it and then you're like, oh God, I'm miserable. (laughs) And so it's so interesting to, to think about that is so common. And I think a lot of people still stay in that cycle and they never really pause and take a moment to really reflect and find out how they can lead their, their life with joy and with passion. And so I'm just curious, like what, what were those action steps that you took to reflect and really fine tune what it was that made you happy? Well, I mean, aside from like a decade of therapy, (laughs) I mean, that's something we all have to do. No, I was an athlete. I was a competitive athlete, right? I was a swimmer. I swam D1 in the US and I actually swam professionally, I guess, after I graduated and, and was really deep into it. And to me at that time in my life, for most of my life, like my achievements were my identity. It was how I felt valued. It was how I felt important. I was an athlete. (laughs) And then I had to retire from sport and all of a sudden (laughs) I went through this big transition of, okay, well, who am I now? 
and it, it did take a long time to figure it out, but I, I think of it less as like one big step and more of a like daily baby steps that you take every single day, just kind of leaning towards joy, listening to what lights you up, what doesn't, and, and slowly but surely carving out who you want to be yeah. as a person and the types of people you want to impact or have relationships. And that ultimately is what, what guides me today. Yeah. And like you said, the, the approach that you have now is more personal and nurturing, right? So you build relationships with people and it's not a turn and burn, right? Which is a typical, you know, agency model. It's like, Hey, I got a lead. We did the service and now they're out. We're moving on to the next one. And so I can truly relate to the, to the approach that you take, because for me, I could never just like, Oh, Hey, I'll take this. I'll do that for you. And then, okay, see you later, figure it out. Like I'm such a relational type person that I have to, I'm like nurturing and like, I want to take care of them. And like, like if they lean their trust in me to help them with their business, then I'm going to give it my all. And I'm going to, you know, be there for them for the long haul, because it's not a one-time thing when it comes to marketing, what you do for one month and two months is not going to sustain you for a career or for a life, you know, a, a year at a time. So I love that you you approach that from a, a relational, you know, collaboration standpoint as well. Yeah, you know, in psychology, um, one of my favorite types of psychology or, or specialties in psychology that that I love was relational cultural psychology. So how we develop relationships, uh, healthy relationships with others, regardless of culture and in different cultures. And one of the key things to having a really powerful, mutually beneficial, like great relationship with someone is that it's growth oriented for both people. Yeah. And I find if you're in, if you're an entrepreneur running a business where you're not helping the other person grow and you're not growing, you're set up for failure. Mm. Neither of you is going to feel really good about the relationship over time. Like maybe at first when there's some novelty and fun, but over time it, it wears off. And so for me as a strategist, I think that's probably why you also lean into strategy so hard is because like, it's all about the growth. Where do we go next? How do we improve? How do we keep this momentum instead of keeping the status quo and just chucking over deliverables? Yeah. And so you really have fine-tuned this reverse engineer approach. So talk a little bit more about how you reverse engineer the marketing for your clients. Yeah. You know, a lot of us get really excited about the first sale. Think like <laughs> once I get them to buy, uh, it's amazing. It's a win. And then it's done. And unfortunately that's, that's not the case. I like to think of it from the fourth or fifth sale, right? The, how do I ultimately grow with this person over time? I don't want just one sale. And it's not that I want them to be dependent on me. I think that's a, a kind of a misnomer. Yeah. It's that I want to be able to support them as they grow and excel. Mm-hmm. I want to grow with you. Yep. And so I look at First off, your offer structures. How how are you helping people through the next phase after that first sale? How are you keeping them, supporting them, giving them the service and the expertise that they need? Because, you know, more money is more problems. (laughs) For sure. (laughs) And so I start there with the offers, refine those, make sure that we have a natural progression, right? That call it the ascend, right? How can someone continue to move up the ladder and never end? (laughs) And then we take the step back. Okay. From the point of sale, right? How did I get them to actually buy? What made them say yes in that moment? And how do I make that happen every single time? Mm -hmm. (laughs) What are the things they need? And and then from there, before that, we look at, okay, well, what got them to the point of sale? Where did they engage, learn? How did they 
realize that I was the right version for them. And you just keep kind of working your way backwards, but you have to start at the end to be able to see the steps ahead more clearly and not base all of your decisions on assumptions. True. Because that's what happens when you start from the front end, from leads to engagement, and then all the way through, you end up making a lot of assumptions and they're not necessarily true. Yeah. And so have you found that there's a common entry point working with all the clients that you have that they come into realization that they need that offer? Is there like always seems to be in a similar space or tell me what your experience is? You know, when it comes to offers, uh, I've identified four key things that someone needs to see, engage with, or understand before they say yes, that really makes an offer irresistible. And this finally realizing this, like I was a conversion copywriter for a long time. And so I wrote sales pages as my day job, like that was it. And I was doing this, but didn't realize that it was actually a framework. And so there's four key things we need to do, regardless of whether you're selling retail, a product, a physical product, a service doesn't matter. Yeah. So the first is the transformation. How are you changing? What's your before and after? What's the outcome, the result from the offer? How is your life different? And if somebody doesn't understand, like if you do any of these things, this is the one you got to focus on. Without it, nothing else works. So what's the transformation? So we need to make sure that we're clearly showing the very specific transformation this person goes through. It cannot be broad, right? From chaos to clarity is not a clear transformation. I'm sorry, (laughs) right? Like we need to be specific because otherwise it's not going to have that emotional impact. The second is your brand. And you know all about this as a branding expert, right? How is your brand uniquely set up to serve unlike anyone else? What sets you apart? How do you understand your customer better than anyone else? Yeah. Right? And it can be the way that your values align. It can be your experience, your authority. There's a, a litany of ways that this can go down, but you have to show how your brand is different and why there is, it's you're different from everyone else and the same as your audience. Yeah. And we need social proof, right? This is the one everyone gets super excited about and throws testimonials everywhere. Social proof is very important. You can do it with offer specific testimonials. You can do it with brand specific testimonials, but like a face and a truthful story with a before and after, you need that. You need to be able to show that you can do what you say you do. That can happen even through data, right? Data is super powerful. If you've got numbers, statistics, right? That, that helps for sure. And then the last one is the transaction. This is what makes today the absolute best day to buy compared to any other day. Not two months from now, not two years from now. Why should you buy today? We love this. This is urgency, scarcity, bonus offers, all those things that sweeten the pot that showcase why someone should buy now and not later. And if you layer those four components together, so you've got the transformation, social proof, your brand, and the transformation all together you have yourself an irresistible offer and you are going to see conversions drive through the roof. Yeah, for sure. And, and not only are they going to just start to convert like nothing, right? It's going to be sustainable and relationships and people are going to be more in tune because they've aligned from the get- beginning. They see that value. They see and understand and, and know that you align with them. And then when it comes to the sale, it's almost like, oh yeah, that was too easy. <laughs> exactly. It allows you to take what, what could have been a conversation, right? Those discovery calls where you're trying to go through all of these things and make those connections and position yourself. And it allows you to actually just 
do it online (laughs) without having to be there in person. So it's a very scalable method of, of presenting your offer. As a podcaster, you know that creating great content is only half the battle. That's where Remarker comes in. Remarker is a podcast branding, production, and marketing solution. Whether you're a seasoned podcaster or just starting out, Remarker will help you grow your show and build your authority. So why wait? Head to creativevisionariespodcast.com slash Remarker, that's R-E-M-A-R-K-R, where you can book a demo and discover how Remarker's full service approach can benefit you and your podcast. Is there a certain framework that you can apply to your website um, that will help with this process? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's funny. So I have this template that I use all the time. I'm a, I'm a template queen. I, I find if something works, like why not templatize it? And if you've built <laughs> something that. in your business that works for so the listeners, <laughs> templatize it, like save yourself the trouble. Don't do everything from scratch. If I learn anything, that's the one thing. But I have this template that I follow and it's it's basically layering through these four components of your offer through your sales page. And what I've found after writing probably a thousand sales pages is that it doesn't necessarily matter what order you put them in. Mm, interesting. And it doesn't matter what, way that you present it. It just matters that it is ridiculously clear that like a fifth grader could read it and completely understand what you're talking about for all four. Yeah. And that you've got both the copy and visuals that amplify the copy. Yeah. Faces, images, design, those all have to showcase what it is that you're doing as well. One works okay, but the both together powerhouse. (laughs) powerhouse. And is it like a lot of people talk about, like, have that call to action, have the button, like, what is your approach and strategy when it comes to the CTA and and button conversion, that sort of thing? Yeah, I love like, I'm a button queen. I love buttons. (laughs) I love I love calls to action, because at any point on the sales page, someone can decide and you want it to be so darn easy for them to click. And it doesn't mean that you have to have a button in every section. Like I played around with so many different variations. And, and the truth is like, they all, they all work in different ways. The key is to have your button obvious, yeah, easy to find. And ideally if in your menu, you can have like a sticky menu where no matter what, they, where they scroll, there's always a button in view. True. That's, that's it. Yeah. And so like, I personally love to have one at the top, one at the middle, one at the bottom, and then a menu scatter a few in between, but if you do that, you're pretty well set. Like (laughs) you can get super scientific about it and, and review stuff. But the truth is like, as long as it's wherever they scroll on your page, there's some way to click really easy to access. That's, that's what matters most. And what do you find is the best way to get that, uh, landing page, sales page, whatever it is in front of prospective consumers? You know, all of your content should drive people to your website if that's where you're selling. And the truth is a lot of people love social media content <laughs> and they use it and they post it, but they, there's no reason for anyone to leave social media and go to your website. There's no compelling reason for someone to be like, I'm going to stop scrolling on this incredibly entertaining platform where I am having lots of fun to go to your website and read your blog. Like most people don't want to do that. And so you have to make it first off, you have to catch their attention and get them curious. Ooh, there's more to learn. I can't get it all here. I need to go somewhere else. Second, you need to make it so easy. Yeah. Like this link in bio 
anywhere you can put a sticker and a link, put it there, make it as obvious as possible. And your link tree is killing you. Let me tell you, the more calls to action you have to different places, the less people will choose in general. <laughs> so, so one Analysis calls to action, per, per, that's, right? that's it. Whatever the most important one is, put it at the top, make it bold. You can, of course, have a few others if you like, like if they're standard things. But if you're trying to sell one thing really in particular, make it so easy for people to find. And then the third is you actually have to deliver value, hmm. right? Like it can't just be hop over to my website to read my blog. Like that's boring. Nobody <laughs> wants to read your blog. Like, I'm sorry, but hop over to my website to learn my one secret to X, Y, Z. That's curious. Yeah. Makes me want to go and learn more. Oh, the button's right there. Perfect. <laughs> so, so you have to drive people to where you want to sell. If it's a call, you have to give them a reason to want the call, deliver value. And so it's, it's all about just thinking, how can I serve this person? Like I know servant mindedness is really important to you in the show. And I think if you go to it from that perspective of, okay, like in every step, in every touch point with a client, I want to serve and deliver value. You're going to do better than most people. Yeah. Now I got a question for you because I think a lot of people, business owners, um, and entrepreneurs probably more frequently <laughs> have many offers, right? Like mm -hmm. I can do this and I can do that and I can do this. So talk about why that's not a good approach um, or what is the best approach when it comes to picking your offer or having multiple offers or the benefits of single offers. You know, I heard a great analogy about this the other day. It was from Sean Anthony, who's an incredible online entrepreneur. He's a copywriter. And he talks about your offer suite kind of like a buffet. Hmm. Okay. So you've got lots of things that people could choose from and they could walk down the table and pick the one that's best for them. That being said, the best buffets have a sequence. There are appetizers, there's a salad, there's a main course, and there's dessert. And when you think of your offer, you want to make sure that you've got an appetizer, some way for someone to get in, take a taste if they're not quite ready to dive in. But if somebody's really hungry, it's got to be super easy for them to get into that main course, right? And don't hide the dessert. Those add-ons are queen, <laughs> right? Like, I love that. Don't hide the dessert. <laughs> right? So I think like, yes, you can absolutely have an incredible, like think of restaurants, even the menu, right? You can have a 30 page menu, but you give that to somebody, you're not going to do super well sorry, your restaurant's yeah. going to be serving too many things. None of it's going to be delicious. None of it's going to be specialty and people are just going to get lost. And so if you can have a really simple, here's the starter, here's the usual, the main, the special, and then here are other where places that this could go, depending on what you need next. Yeah. It's a really simple way to look at it. You don't want to make it complicated. You don't want to be elusive and have tons of choices and customize everything that's not scalable for you or sustainable. Yeah. But it's also confusing, right? You have to be the surgeon and prescribe <laughs> if I give another analogy. So come up with a standard. And then as the person needs things, you can present stuff that's kind of off the menu. Yeah, I love that. I love that. <laughs> the old buffet. <laughs> old buffet analogy. <laughs> but it's so true because because we we try to be all things to all people, right? And when you're all things to all people, you're nothing to no one. You know what I mean? It's like you have to pick a lane and stick in it. And and I think that's going to strengthen the the person, the business, and 
eventually the person on the, the other side of it, the consumer, the client, or whoever it is that you're, you're providing service to, because you have a focus and you are focused on them because they align with you. And then there's those, like you said, there's the desserts that come along the way that everybody wants to have a taste of. And if that's something that you do, then, then you, you approach it when it comes to that point. But I think you're absolutely right that a lot of people need to think about, you know, really focusing on those main things and not being all things to all people. Well, and like, I think too, when it comes to like a data collection standpoint, if you're trying to be like, give exceptional service to somebody and you're doing 18 million things for 18 different people, it is going to be really hard for you to know what actually works, what delivers results, what's repeatable, like what's your framework if you're everywhere. And so if you do truly like, and some people love being the generalist and that's fine. We have general practitioners in medicine, right? But you don't go to them for a heart surgery like, yeah. and they're not going to get paid as much as the heart surgeon. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> like that's just the nature of it. But I think it's really important for us to think about like, sometimes we get caught up assuming that if I'm really specific, I don't have many options. I'm going to be mm. stuck. Yeah. Right. I'm going to get bored. That most creatives have the fear of getting bored. I know for sure. But what I've learned is that even in a very specific niche, there are endless possibilities for improvement yeah. and for learning and for creativity. And so don't fear the niche. Like don't fear being specific because even heart surgeons are learning new things every day. True. Yeah. Well, okay. So phenomenal. I can talk to you all day, but I want to be mindful of people's time. So I want to have you in this with one final question. And that is what is your pre predictions for 2023 when it comes to marketing? What do you think is going to be the biggest thing? <laughs> oh, I'm so excited for this question. Um, I think that combining the power of video and email is going to be the rage in 2023. Let me tell you why. And I'll try and be as concise as possible. So 2022, we learned the power of short form video, of captivating audiences, of building relationships, of entertaining, of, of getting people's eyes on your business. But we've always known the power of email. It is wildly powerful. It is the best mechanism for sales outside of on your website or on a call. And when you put the two together with personalized segmented messages. Oh my goodness. The results are wild. And so you can repurpose your social content or just put additional uh, energy into creating videos for your email list. You are going to drive sales like crazy. I think people are going to start to combine the platforms and the mediums and realize that social media is too chaotic. You got to fight with an algorithm, yeah. but I can leverage all that power of the video in my already direct focused email list. Oh my that that's my recommendation and prediction for 2020. I love it. Well, Mickey, thank you so much for sharing your knowledge, being, you know, just a, a ray of sunshine and, and so fun to talk to. And I just appreciate uh, the relationship that we have. And thank you for, for being a guest on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a blast. Thanks so much for listening to the creative visionaries podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe, leave us a review, or share with a friend. Also, make sure to visit us online at creativevisionariespodcast.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. And stay tuned for more episodes to come. And remember, it's time to tap into your true potential and unleash your inner visionary.